Hello and welcome to another episode of Tung Sudo Focus, a podcast concerning all things related to the Korean martial art of Tung Sudo. I am your host, Master Steve Paterini, and I am very excited for today's episode, episode number nine, Five Ways to Improve Your Tung Sudo. And I know personally, I am always a sucker for a list. Uh, I know that in my news feed, I'm always clicking on articles, uh, top 10 Beatles songs of all times, or five best beaches in the Northeast to visit. And uh, that kind of thing just gets me excited. And of course, uh, if we're not working towards improving our personal Tungsudo journey, uh, <laughs> I guess, what are we here for? So uh, let's begin and uh, I will share some advice, some tips, some uh, you know, experiences I've had that I hope will translate into uh, better Tungsudo for all of us. Now my day job, so to speak, is as a middle school teacher teaching 6th, 7th, and 8th graders and often when I have to uh, give them some kind of information or instruction that seems patently obvious to me, uh, I talk about the the factor. In other words, uh, you know, I say something, you know, obviously you should do this, duh. So uh, number one of ways to improve your Tungsudo, take more classes. Uh, which again kind of falls under that duh factor. Um, I think that it, it stands to reason that more classes equals more time on the floor equals more professional instruction is going to equal uh, improved performance and learning. Uh, I think that in most schools the expectation at least minimum attendance requirements would be uh, training twice a week and you figure a dojong uh, you know uh, is probably going to be closed a couple weeks, uh, one at the holidays, one over the summer. So over 50 weeks, that's going to get you 100 classes in a year. So four or five years, you should have the requisite number of classes to uh, advance for black belt, uh, depending upon your association or particular school's uh, requirements. But nonetheless, I would say two classes a week is a baseline, a, a minimum. Uh, so let's say that you're a Tuesday, Thursday kind of a girl and, um, you know, you have commitments on other nights and that's what you pretty much lock in, except this coming Thursday is grandma's birthday party. Uh, or perhaps you uh, pull the hamstring or, uh, you know, have a, have a head cold and you can't train. Uh, now you're not getting those two classes a week, uh, which is going to put you below the minimum attendance requirements. So I would say at the very least, you should try to schedule yourself and again, I'm talking to you teenagers and, uh, you know, youngsters who have to rely on somebody to drive you, uh, get you to your lessons. Um, listen, maybe you become a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday kind of girl or guy. Uh, get that third class in there. And when something comes up, you're still getting your minimum two classes a week. Now, whatever your training habit is, uh, I would encourage you to just try to squeeze in another class per week. Um, if you religiously and without fail got those two classes a weekend, uh, you were never sick, you never had any uh, conflicts, and you just were always there on Tuesday and Thursday, uh, you add in that Friday night or Saturday class, you've just increased your training opportunities by 50%. And 50% is a lot. I mean, if your family were to increase its 
<laughs> your family's income by 50%, uh, that would be a significant change in the economics of your, your family. Uh, if your teachers, again, I'm talking to you young uh, people, uh, if your teachers assigned you 50% more homework, I'm sure you would notice and you would be griping about that. So 50% is a big change. Uh, go from three classes to four classes regularly a week, you've just upped it by another 33%. So we're talking about significant uh impact and improvement in your training just by locking in another training session a week. Now, the uh, caveat or the, uh, the, the one thing that I would uh, caution you about is, uh, the question becomes, is it possible to overtrain? And I would say that yes, uh, it is possible to overtrain a uh, wear and tear on our knees, on our muscles. Uh, you know, if you go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, by the time you come back to class on Friday, uh, if your muscles are tight from all the exercising you've done earlier in the week, and then you pull a hamstring uh, when you're throwing a, a high front kick or something or sparring, and uh, now you miss a week of training because you overtrained because you worked too hard. Even uh, as I record this, it's the beginning of the uh, NFL season training camps, and uh, there's practices that they do where they're not hitting each other because they don't want these uh, athletes to get hurt before they've even played a game that matters. Uh, so it's important to increase your frequency of training without overtraining and causing you to become injured. Now, another thing I have observed uh, in my years at the Dojung are students who train a tremendous amount uh, yet don't give maximum effort while they're on the floor. Uh, this might be uh, somebody who doesn't have any other obligations. Uh, again, I'm thinking of teenagers here who uh, aren't in drama club or track team or uh, gymnastics. They don't have any religious classes or driver's ed. And every day they're there. But every day they're kind of just sleepwalking through their practice. Um, they are benefiting from the time and the instruction of their, their teacher. But if you're not, uh, you know, doing those deep stances that make your muscles hurt a little bit, if you're not trying to kick higher than you have in the past, if you're not, uh, you know, going with uh, intensity and spirit in your training, uh, then you're not really getting the full benefit out of it. And somebody who comes twice a week and gives that 100% intensity and spirit uh, might actually benefit more than the person who just comes a lot but just sort of bails it in and doesn't really uh, doesn't really give 100% effort. So certainly the quantity of classes and increasing that quantity is going to be beneficial. Once again, putting yourself in front of your instructor, putting yourself next to your peers uh, is going to be uh, beneficial. But if you're just being lazy through the stretching and the striding drills and working on your new forms, uh, it, it's not going to really serve you very well. So you got to kind of find that balance uh, where you're between increasing the frequency of your training uh, without, uh, again, burning out and uh, without just, uh, you know, sleepwalking. I, I, I think I used that word before, uh, just not giving the uh the allotted effort that you should be giving to your training. Now your instructor or someone at your 
school or academy uh, is most certainly going to be taking attendance and keeping track of your progress so you meet those uh, minimum requirements for advancement to be eligible for the next testing cycle. Uh, that being said, you should also keep track of the number of classes you take. Um, I referenced before a, a gentleman by the name of O Sensei Philip Porter, who was the U.S. Olympic Judo team coach. And I remember training with him once and him saying that uh, there's a special name for the people that train and keep a training log and write down every day that they train and what they do. And he said that special word for those people was champion. In other words, that the people that are training and succeeding at the highest levels write down and keep track of their training. So it's certainly easy for you. Uh, I, I'm a very old school person, uh, so I actually have a paper diary. It's a calendar uh, day by day, and I'll just write down, you know, TSD and then whatever number it is. And I start with a new book every January, and uh, it gives me a chance to look back and go, oh, this is how many classes I did in January. I'm going to try and up that by one or two in February. Uh, I was a little low in February. Oh, that's right. I had the flu. I was out of training for uh, you know a week, 10 days. I better step it up a bit in March to get my average back up. Now, if you don't like writing things down in an old school paper book uh, and you are one of those people who have their cell phone glued to your hand outside of the dojong, you have a notes app, you have a calendar app. It takes seconds, literally, to pop in uh, TSD, you know, abbreviated for Tung Sudo and whatever the class is. Hey, if you want to take a second and write down what you were working on, what form you were on, what drills you did, that's even better. Uh, but just keeping track of the number of classes. Uh, shoot, at the end of the year, I look at my yearly tally and then I look at the year before because I save these books from year to year. And uh, I remember during the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, I was as low as 87 in a year because training opportunities were few and far between and Zoom just wasn't really <laughs> inspiring me uh, doing video classes remotely. Uh, I was able to pick it back up last year, I think, into the 111, 112 range. And this year, my goal is 120, which would be 10 classes per month. Um, you know, if I get up to 122, that means one out of every three days, I will have taken a Tung Sudo class in the prior year. So uh, write it down. Keep a track of your training log. Uh, certainly, uh, again, somebody at your school is, is keeping track of it as well, but uh, that's not their responsibility. You go, oh, I'm a master stickle. How many classes do I have this month? That's not his job. Your job is to keep track of your own progress. Okay? And one more thought uh, uh, to uh, studio owners uh, and instructors would be to have uh, uh, a leaderboard. Uh, that you can put out if you do uh, keep track of attendance of your students. Uh, hey, write it out there on a, on a dry erase board. You know, how, who was, had the most classes in, uh, in July this year and how many it was. And you put their name right up at the top of it. First, second, and third, uh, different categories for Little Dragons all the way up through your, uh, your adult black belts. And uh, it inspires a little friendly competitiveness. Oh, look at how many classes she got last month. I want to try to get more than her. Uh, next month. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I was on the leaderboard last month, but this month I got knocked off because we went on vacation. And those little tricks can inspire your students to uh, get their feet on the floor more often and hopefully get more training in. So as I said, taking more classes sounds like a pretty obvious, kind of a duh sort of a thing, but uh, the reasons are myriad and important and certainly not uh, kicking up the level of training, the 
frequency of your training is going to be nothing but beneficial for you in your tungsteno journey. A second good trick or piece of advice for improving your tungsteno, and I kind of touched on it in the last segment, would be to increase the intensity or the spirit with which you are training. Uh, I talked about the person who comes to a lot of classes, but just kind of, uh, you know, does a lackadaisical, uh, sloppy, uh, uninspired job of their training. Uh, just by increasing the intensity of your workout, uh, your focus, your uh, spirit, the power, the speed with which you are throwing your techniques, lots of key ups. Uh, when you're doing drills, uh, you know, a lot of high fives and woo whooping up. Uh, guess what happens when you do that? The people that are lined up around you start to notice and they pick up their level of intensity as well. And pretty soon the whole class is whooping and high fiving and key upping and sweating and you feel that energy. And I think we've all been in classes that are, you know, uh, just don't have that level of energy and some people are yawning and, and it's just not very exciting. It's kind of boring. You begin daydreaming and not focusing on what's going on in, in, in front of you. Um, sometimes that's, uh, uh, comes down to the instructor and, and uh, I've been <laughs> in that situation before on both sides of the line. Uh, but you want to, uh, on your own, regardless of what level of intensity the instructor is, is trying to bring out of you, uh, bring your best uh, A game uh, without injuring yourself, without overstraining yourself. Uh, bring that extra spirited uh, level of training and then the people around you will start to elevate their level. And uh, sometimes that spirit is all you have. You can get to a black belt test where you've been on the floor for uh, four or five hours and then they break out the boards you need to break. Um, listen, at that point, your body is shot. Your mind is telling you that you can't do it. So you just have to have that spirit and uh, use that intensity that you're used to uh, calling upon during your training. And that will get you through the hard, challenging times. There's an old saying that says, uh, cry during class and laugh at the test or laugh at the tournament. In other words, if you train with such a level of intensity and seriousness and effort during every class you train at, um, when it comes time for a test, when it comes time for a tournament where you're bringing your best uh, effort, um, your body will be used to it. Uh, this will just be commonplace to you and it won't seem all that strange. Now, a lot of times students train at whatever level they do, maybe not 100%. And uh, when it comes to a tournament or a test, they, uh, through the excitement and adrenaline and uh, maybe nervousness and anxiety, uh, they're able to, at least for some period of time, uh, amp up the level of their intensity and, and spirit and effort. But uh, boy, it, it's gonna wane. It's gonna fall off because your body's just not used to performing at that level unless you've trained that way. So training hard in your, uh, in your classes uh, and training hard when you practice is going to uh, equate to a better performance in a testing or a tournament situation. So one, come to class more often. Two, increase your effort and intensity level while you're training. And those two things together are powerful tools to improve and increase your performance in Tung Now the next tip is actually something that's pretty easy and I believe will increase your enjoyment of your training and your tungsteno journey. And what I would say is train with a friend. Um, I'm not exactly a, uh, what I would call a 
weightlifter, but I have spent my time in a gym before. And I know that if you have a training partner, uh, they've done uh, studies on this, where if you have somebody that you meet and work out with, that that uh, increases your level of training and increases the fact that you're not going to skip training. Um, so again, uh, let's relate this to Tung Sado. You're a, a, a Tuesday, Thursday kind of girl or guy, and one of your classmates, maybe similar rank, you just, hey, you know, at the end of class on Tuesday night, you're going to be here Thursday. And, All right, yeah, let's 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 work on the let's work on this form together. And uh, Thursday after school, uh, Thursday after work, you might be going, oh, man, I'm I'm dragging. I don't feel so great. I'm tired. I got a lot of things to do. I should do my homework or got you know laundry pile on it but you're gonna think to yourself i don't want to let down my friend who said they were going to be there and honestly a little gentle uh ribbing back and forth uh when your friend or training partner does not show up the next time you see them you can kind of bust their chops a little bit and say hey where were you thursday um i, th I thought we were going to train and then you can tell them all the cool drills you did and uh, what they missed oh yeah you missed it we did the, the night of a thousand kicks or uh you know, some crazy training drill like that and kind of rub it in that they uh, they weren't there. Uh, having that support system, having that partner to train with uh, is going to inspire you and uh, again, maybe allow you to increase your level of intensity and focus. There's certain people that I train with that are my juniors and I really look forward to training with them uh, knowing that I'm helping them get to the next level and uh, I can think of... Uh, fellow that I train with who's uh, younger than me, more athletic, and uh, has some very excellent technique and form, makes me want to elevate my game a little bit. And uh, they're also working towards things they haven't been introduced to yet, uh, being at a, a junior rank to mine, and I'm helping them get to that part. Uh, so that's kind of fun. I also enjoy it when my uh, seniors show up and I look to my right and there's somebody there. I say, oh, good. We can work on something together that I don't normally get to with my juniors uh, because it's, it's uh, over their head uh, in, in terms of uh, whatever form I might be working on or techniques. So uh, having that, that person that you train with regularly uh, and, and again, you know, kind of committing to each other. Hey, you know, let's let's make sure that we're here every uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday morning, and uh, I'll see you then. That's going to improve your training. Um, you know, going back to the weightlifting example I gave before, having a, a training partner helps you inspire you. Uh, one of our, uh, our our senior masters, uh, Master Jeff Galvin, uh, is a marathoner, and uh, he's told me that he runs with a a partner uh, when he does the Hartford Marathon and that uh, that partner uh, helps him through the tough times when his body when his mind is telling him to give up when he's uh, in pain and uh, he doesn't want to let down his partner and, uh, and back the other way when his partner's going through a rough patch uh, Jeff can reach out and give them some words of encouragement or uh, you know help them through and uh, doing things together always seems to be a little bit easier than going through things in a solitary way um, you know, some of my best friends uh, in life uh, are friends from Tung Sado training. We've been through a lot of things that I haven't gone through with a, a lot of other people. Uh, certainly when you sweat and, and, and bleed and get bruised up together, uh, that, that forges a certain special kind of bond. But uh, once again, having that training partner to inspire you and push you along, uh, make you train regularly, not skip class when you're just feeling a little bit, uh, a little bit lazy. Uh, that's going to improve your training a great deal. 
Now my next tip for you, number four, uh, has to do with the difference between training and practice. Training happens during class time. Training is instruction. Training happens between the time you bow in on the floor and you bow out at the end of class. Practice happens elsewhere. Practice can happen before class. You often see people that come 10 minutes early and they're standing off to the side, warming up, maybe working on a section of a form that they're uh, planning on practicing later in the class or that they've just learned because of their new rank. Um, my favorite time to practice is after class. Uh, you're already warmed up and sweaty and you've probably just been shown something by your instructor that you need to work on or improve. And so that's a excellent time for you to spend even just an extra five or 10 minutes and work on something that you want to uh, improve upon. Um, to you teenagers, you youngsters that are reliant on your parents or somebody for a ride, uh, listen, you know, the, the 6.30 class gets over at 7.30. Hey, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever's picking you up, come at 7.45. I'm going to hang after class for 15 minutes with my training partner, Sally or Joe or whoever it was that I've made that commitment to. Hey, stick around after class and we'll work on that. We'll work on this sparring drill because I want to do better at the next tournament. That guy from that other school beat me and uh, it was only by one point. This time I want to take gold. So having that person to work with um, after class is going to be a good example of practice. Uh, you know, I think uh, as a musician, uh, and again, I'm thinking of uh, students in school. Uh, if you play saxophone or clarinet and you have your lesson, your instruction with your teacher, uh, of course you have to practice that passage of the music at home, outside of class. If you come back to your next lesson, uh, your next session with your teacher, and you haven't blown one note in your saxophone since they showed you that piece, uh, it's going to show, and your teacher is going to be disappointed in you, and, and you should be disappointed in yourself as well. So this practice has to happen outside of class time. Guess what? It can happen in your bedroom. Practice framing. Um, I used to do uh, something I, I like to call kitchen karate, where I'd stick something in the microwave, and while I was warming up my soup or something, I'd hit a crane stance and uh, see if I could hold it without wobbling for the 90 seconds. Um, if you have a basement, if you have a garage, if you have a deck or a flat part in your yard where you can uh, spin your staff around uh, or play with your nunchucks or work on your form, uh, these are all good things to do outside of class. So training happens on the floor during class time. Practice happens outside of your training or class time. And you need to make sure that you practice or else you're just not going to reach the level that you would need to. Uh, just like if you were uh, trying to play saxophone in the school band or something. All right. So practice, don't just train. And one final tip for this episode, number five, my tip would be use the internet and specifically use videos from the internet. Now, our Pyonghua Kunin website uh, that is accessible by our students has videos of every form at every rank and level. Uh, so as you're getting prepared for a test, I often will admonish the students, hey, listen, <laughs> go on the website, watch the video. Um, the one steps, the grabs, the uh, Ho Sin Sul, the Il Su Sik are all demonstrated. Uh, in video format on that website. But uh, listen, you know, you like Tung Sudo, go on YouTube, type in Tung Sudo. 
Maybe you can see another, uh, you know, a student from another school and their boss side eye is a little different than yours. That's interesting. Uh, something you might mention to your teacher. Hey, how come we do it this way when I saw somebody from this association doing it a, another way? Um, watch sparring matches. You might learn some kind of, uh, you know, combination or some sort of tip from watching people at your level sparring, uh, board breaking, just some cool things like that. I mean, we go down rabbit holes with videos where we just watch stuff and two hours goes by and we, we realize we've just been basically watching garbage. Um, and sometimes we, uh, you know, look at videos of things we're interested in. If you're into the, uh, the Avengers or the Boston Red Sox or, uh, you know, certain dance moves on uh, TikTok. Uh, that's great if that's what you're into, but uh, aren't you into Tung Sado as well? So Google it, look it up, uh, look for videos. Uh, certainly, you know, you would want to uh, perform your, your techniques the way you're taught by your particular master instructor, but um, it's okay to look at other things on the web and see what's out there. And maybe you'll learn some new self-defense techniques. Maybe you'll learn some uh, tips uh, similar to the ones I've been giving on this podcast. So uh, watch videos, uh, Google things, Google terminology, uh, Korean vocabulary, things like that, especially as you're coming up on a testing cycle. And that will be hugely beneficial. And uh, to be honest, it'll probably impress your instructor when you come back with an intelligent question. Be like, hey, I was looking up, uh, you know, this the, the, the name of the form. And I understand that it has to uh, do uh, with uh, the Korean term for it. And now you, you maybe you start a different conversation with your teacher and you've demonstrated a higher level of understanding or uh, desire to understand more about Tung Sado, uh, which will uh, send a nice signal to your instructor uh, that you're serious about your training. So quick recap, five tips for improving your Tung Sado. One, train more often. Two, train with a greater spirit and intensity. Three, train with a friend or a training partner. Four, practice outside of the dojong or outside of class time uh, not just train but practice and the last one uh, research Tung Sudo. go on the internet and again particularly videos but there's plenty of articles and things you could read as well uh, but the internet gives us uh, a, a ton of information and since we are Tung Sudo practitioners that's something that we should look to study in our spare time so I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed making it. Uh, fun fact, I had actually originally had 10 ways to improve your training, uh, but of course ran short on time. So I will have to make a part two of this, which I promise you at some point in the future. A uh, little teaser here. Uh, next episode, number 10, will be special because it will be the first time I will be interviewing uh, someone and you will hear someone's voice besides myself on the Tung Sudo Focus podcast. So look forward to that. Uh, please tell your friends, share this podcast, uh, let other people know about it if it's been beneficial for you, uh, if you've enjoyed it. And I thank you for your kind attention. Uh, see you on the training floor in the future, hopefully, and Tung Sudo.